It's time for the Ken Matthews Show on WHP 580. To reach Ken, call 540-0580. Now, live from the L.B. Smith-Ford Lincoln Studios, here's Ken. Buenas tardes, mi amigos. Welcome to America. Just in case you're just you're just getting in, uh, you probably haven't been tested for COVID yet. So uh, just follow the uh, just follow the arrows on the ground and don't step too closely. My name is Ken. Action Pack Show today. We have uh, State Representative Don Kiefer coming up within the hour. But first, I would just like to do this kind of uh, as an homage, if you will, a brief retrospective on the Emmy Award-winning author, celebrated leader. Leftist blowhard and hottie, recipient of the Ted Kennedy Leadership Award, Governor Andrew Cuomo. I'm a big fan of Chelsea's, uh, and she is great, uh, and uh, we have fun. Yeah, you heard that right. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo isn't ruling out a romance with Chelsea Handler, but only if they follow pandemic guidelines. Obvi. On my dating life, Uh, You know, I am only dating at this point in-state residents, right? I vote I'm dating New York (laughs) residents. And so if Chelsea changes her residence, then maybe we can work it out. Don't say that. The 62-year-old politician appeared on The View Thursday and was shown a clip of the 45-year-old comedian joking about her. By the way, this was 11 months ago. Well, no, I'm sorry, 10 months ago. So 10 months ago, right in the middle of grandmothers and grandfathers and moms and dads dying in nursing homes and some of the worst decisions in history made ever by a governor, we're getting silly with it. Crush on him. I did have a conversation with Cuomo a few months ago, and I did ask him out on a date. And he did say yes, and then I never heard from him. Yep, the eligible bachelor totally ghosted her. He's like, wear a mask. I'm like, I'll wear a mask. I'll put a mask on every part of my body. I want to flatten your curve, and you can flatten my curve. I've had a lot of conversations about flattening the curve, but never quite that way. And Andrew joked about following New York's travel restrictions and only dating women who live in state. But the dad of three didn't rule out the possibility of dating Chelsea if she moved to New York. I say that. I'm telling you, don't say that. <laughs> don't she will be living in that New York next week. You don't know okay. her. She'll yeah, really. I, Listen, Governor Cuomo. I said maybe. I we, said, we I said maybe work it out. Earlier this month, E.T. caught up with Chels, and she didn't shy away from talking about her crush. Why is he so appealing to you? And is he aware that you have a thing for him? I think he's aware. I think he's, yeah, he is aware. But yeah, I was really, listen, we were all feeling it. You know, a lot of women and a lot of gay guys were also, and probably a lot of straight guys, to be quite honest with you. We needed a man on the scene. We haven't had leadership in so long. We had this man, this big Italian meatball come into the fore and was, who looked like the Incredible Hulk. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to flatten your curve. I'm like, I'm going to flatten your curve. And then we're going to apex together. So I had a very deep, deep crush on him. And yes, I was very public about it. So I, I, he does know. That was just uh, 10 months ago. Once again, if you're just tuning into the Ken Matthews Show, we are doing a brief retrospective of the legendary leader and leftist pig, Andrew Cuomo. Uh, tomorrow we may showcase his incredible younger brother, Chris. 
I just just get so emotional because the leaders that the Democrats put into power are just doing so much for this country. Hold on a second. I got to turn off something. Something's coming up that I can't control. Okay, here we go. Stand by. Here we go. All right. Here we go. Kennedy Institute and Vicki Kennedy for having me and for that incredible introduction. I'm just so honored to be. Once again, we return to the Andrew Cuomo, Cuomo retrospective as we showcase this great man and Lech. Be here tonight. I also want to congratulate New York Governor Cuomo and Massachusetts Governor Baker on receiving the very well-deserved 2020 Edward M. Kennedy Award for Inspired Leadership. Thank you both so much for being here this evening. We are going to talk about leadership, the leadership that you have both shown uh, in a year. By the way, this was December of 2020. This was after a lot of the people had been removed to the morgue uh but they're talking about the leadership keep in mind this was after his book came out i saw it at costco for 16.99 his book came out uh, he won the emmy so this, this guy his career is on fire right now it is on fire of crisis and i just want to start off by letting you both reflect on what this moment and what this award means to you governor let's let's reflect um and like you know like Chelsea Handler said, uh, men and women alike are attracted to this, this icon of leadership. Cuomo, why don't you begin? Well, uh, thank you, Kristen. And uh, it, it means the world. Uh, first, to Governor Baker, congratulations uh, to Bruce Persillay. Uh, God bless you and thank you for all the work you do. My friend Martin Luther King III, uh, thank you for your inspiring words. He's a great help to New York in many, many different ways. He's working with us now on the census. And to Vicki Kennedy, uh, thank you from all of us for keeping the dream alive and the inspiration alive. Uh, it is so important today. Uh, I learned so much from Senator Kennedy. I have- we're we're going we're gonna to put a bookmark there because I know a lot of you in the audience are saying, God, give me more of Andy. Uh, so we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with more of our Andrew Cuomo ready. Strap in your brain and get in the game with Ken Matthews on News Radio WHP 580. Just a quick reminder PA State Rep Don Kiefer is our guest, uh, probably in 20 minutes or so, but I'd like to return to this exquisite retrospective we're doing on, on the great Andrew Cuomo, the uh, legendary governor of New York. So many wonderful things. You could see why. Uh, just, let's see, December, so about nine months ago, roughly nine months ago, he was awarded, it kind of chokes me up a little, <clears throat> he was awarded the uh, the Edward M. Kennedy, that's Ted for you, you younger folks, the Ted Kennedy Institute Leadership Award for Inspirational Leadership. And when you look at the man, uh, like Chelsea said, he's a big meatball, even gay guys like him. Well, when you look at them, and you look at New York, crime is up, murder is up 400%, unemployment is up, small businesses are just failing all over the place. Uh, it's run like a Gestapo in some of the major cities, including Syracuse. Uh, he broke the COVID death record among the elderly in New York. I mean, everything this man touches, he breaks a record. Businesses are leaving at a record pace. 
by choice, and of course, some are failing. So let's go back to the Ken Matthews Show retrospective of Governor Andrew Cuomo. And to Vicki Kennedy, uh, thank you from all of us for keeping the dream alive and the inspiration alive. Uh, it is so important today. Uh, I learned so much from Senator Kennedy. I had the good fortune to be working in Washington uh, when he was in the Senate. I was the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Uh, his, his lesson of, of substance first, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, it's about making accomplishments. It's about getting results. <clears throat> he was extraordinary. He also taught me about politics. I was the Assistant Secretary of HUD. And we were giving out uh, community development block grant money. As Governor Baker knows, it's uh, very important to government. And Senator Kennedy uh, and myself as an assistant secretary, we drove all across Massachusetts, uh, stopping at all the different towns and small cities, giving out those grants. And uh, the senator was so gracious with his time and uh, the, the retail, if you will, the personal nature of politics. Uh, and and uh, how he exuded that, the American flag that is over my shoulder. Uh, Senator Kennedy sent me that the day I was confirmed uh, by the U.S. Senate as HUD secretary with a note that said, uh, this is the flag that flew over the Capitol the day you were, you were confirmed. Uh, those kinds of gestures, that kind those of... Those kinds of gestures, it's, uh, it's very powerful stuff, uh, Ted Kennedy. <clears throat> And uh, he liked the chicks, too, by the way. 18th, 1969, the late Senator Ted Kennedy was involved in a car accident on Martha's Vineyard that ended up killing 28-year-old passenger Mary Jo Kopechny. The infamous Chappaquiddick incident, named for the rural, remote southeast corner of the island where the crash occurred, happened when Kennedy drove his Oldsmobile off a narrow wooden bridge into a small creek after a day of partying. Although accounts of what actually happened that night conflict, it seems Kennedy alerted his friends about the accident, but failed to tell police until the next morning, far too late to save Kopechny, whose family members have spoken out over the years. I believe there was damn little truth in what he told them. He told them what they wanted to hear or what he needed to tell them to cover his ass. Kennedy ultimately pleaded guilty to leaving the scene of an accident and got a suspended sentence. Kennedy passed away without clarifying the many unanswered questions, and his loyalists all but remained silent about the incident. And for the most part, Hollywood steered clear of the story. They were always a Hollywood-type family, and uh, so Hollywood always uh, played along with them. Until now. It's a fair movie. It's, it's balanced. But Mark Charty is the executive producer of Chappaquiddick in theaters on April 6th. But it you know, certainly takes you know, Ted to task for this. This country has a deep connection to the Kennedy name, and that is a valuable thing, gentlemen. Chappaquiddick tells the Kopechny-Kennedy story over the chorus of one week, when there was another major moment in American history. That's one small step for man. JFK's greatest achievement and Ted's biggest failing, you know, all happened in that, that week and it probably helped, you know, get cover uh, for the story. I had three generations of advisors up my ass trying to convince me to run. Nevertheless, Kennedy's presidential aspirations were dashed after Kopechny's death. But the lion of the Senate ultimately served nearly 47 years in the upper house. And even today, some Hollywood A-listers reportedly would not take the leading role, ultimately played by Australian Jason Clark. Uh, 
that concludes. I think that's a good place to wrap up. Art, I see you're getting very emotional over there. Um, I know how you feel about Andrew Cuomo and Ted Kennedy. Yeah, I used a whole I, box of Kleenexes already. Yeah, well, get ready. The Delta variant's coming. You, you may want to get some toilet paper, too. Now, uh, the reason I, I played that is obviously we're having a little fun because both these guys are scumbags. Um, and my problem with Ted Kennedy was... When you leave a woman in a car after you've driven off the bridge, the car flips over and you're trapped in the car and you're trying to get out. So basically, when you let a woman die, because if you read the reports, which I don't think Democrats like to share, but the scratch marks inside the car indicate that she was trying to claw her way out for quite some time until the until she ran out of air. And that what talk about a horrible way to die. Just a horrible way. And during that time, uh Kennedy was getting a shower and a shave and working on his story. Uh and then he went on to become one of the most revered Democrat icons, much like Senator Robert Byrd. KKK so I just, I have a tough time with the Cuomos and the Clintons and the Kennedys. And I, I just have a tough time with that, that uh, four, five, six decades of power and control, no matter what happens. And we're now seeing it with the Bidens. You know, and if you're a Democrat, you want to call up and say, how dare I? Kennedy did m- wonderful things. Here's the number, 800-724-5801. But I don't think you get to kick off your career with drowning a woman who you shouldn't have been driving around drunk to begin with and and not being there as she tried to claw her way out and survive. And that's how you kick off your career. And then everybody, you know, like the media, <laughs> they all they all jump in. And that's all it really takes for the media. Now, a lot of people, Kennedy had some built-in sympathy because he was from a line of what many believe, even Republicans, in the case of JFK, and in particular, Bobby, good, young men, inspirational men, men that wanted to do something to better the country. And so Ted... uh he was able to milk that, as he said often. But I, I don't care if, if tragically your, your brother was assassinated or your other brother was assassinated. It's heartbreaking. It's devastating. It's history-making. It doesn't give you the right to, you know. It's the whole murder thing that just rubs me the wrong way. That and people like Joe Biden touching little girls and little boys the wrong way. I know my standard's a little high. I just don't think you should be a hero if you do those things. We'll be right back. Post office and call express today. Let's get back to the Ken Matthews Show on WHP 580. Our next guest, Pennsylvania State Representative Dawn Kiefer. Now, you know her Patriot call sign on this show is... Wonder Woman. However, recently, a lying left-wing lunatic lawyer dubbed her 
the hydroxychloroquine. And I just think that it's... Hear ye! Hear ye! Welcome to the show, State Rep. Don Kiefer. Now, uh, all kidding aside, we salute you for the work you're doing uh, to get the mask lockdowns out of the way and to get people alternative uh, treatments and everything else. So, welcome to the show. But I think the hydroxychloroquine thing, I think it works. I like it. You like it. Why not run with it? I mean, we, we're running with the term deplorables. I have a shirt that says deplorable. I have one as well, a basket of deplorables. Yes, and you also have a Wonder Woman shirt. So now we'll be working on I the do. next one, hydroxychloroquine, but that was your effort. Did that ever make it through, by the way, that bill? I just introduced it. So I, okay, I had, good. had it out for co-sponsorship, and then I just introduced it, and that's how he caught wind of it because it was actually introduced. So it has to go to committee first, um, and I assume we'll be taking that up when we get back in, in September in the health committee. Excellent, because we read the whole the whole introduction piece of the bill, so people know it. Uh, it's you in an effort with other conservatives in the House trying to get their freedom to use the treatment and the therapy that they choose as an alternate to an experimental uh, injection. But I'm glad you called. How's your How's your time going? I know you're not in session now. How's that going? It's going fine, as well as can be expected. <laughs> Well, can you give us an update on the PA uh, 2020 election? So, in the What's the latest? 2020 election, the latest is, um, I think everybody's aware that Senator Mastriano um, is, has requested from three counties uh, to conduct an audit. And I, I believe, for sure, I know Tioga has said no, that they're not going to cooperate. And I heard Philadelphia was going to. Now, York County sent a letter saying, hey, before we comply, we would like to know, have a couple answer or questions answered. And that was who's doing the audit, who's going to pay for it. Um, it was who is uh, they would like to know the chain of command uh, for any of the materials in the ballots just to make sure there's security there and that they're going to be handled um, because they would be on liable for that. And then if their machines were decertified by the Secretary of State, who would pay for that, right? Um, as of, I believe it was uh, Monday, uh, Senator Mastriano had not gotten back to them with a response on that, but I believe he was going to. He was uh, going to touch base with them and, and talk to them about that. But his committee, I believe, meets this coming Friday uh, So uh, for subpoena. So what he can do is he could subpoena these records. Uh, one of or, or these documents, one of the, the things that they challenged in York County was, does his committee have the authority to uh, do this investigation? And we are we have oversight authority. So I don't that's not a question for the counties. I mean, we have as as a general assembly, our committees have legislative oversight. That's our job. Uh, so I believe he has the, the power to do that. His committee's pretty broad. It's intergovernmental affairs. Uh, so that's not their concern one way or another, quite frankly. That's more of Senate rules than it is uh, their concern, in my opinion. Um, so once he would get those records, uh, subpoena those records, then we would see what, what would transpire from there. I think he should just stick to out of the gate. Let's just stick to the ballots, the outer envelopes, the poll book, mm-hmm. um, and the attestation forms. Let's do the paper trail first. Um, because we know he's going to get a big fight, you know, Shapiro, uh, you know, while he's not concerned about all the, the elderly that were killed in our nursing homes by this administration, he is concerned about due process, actually you having access to due process. So he said he would challenge uh, the subpoenas. Uh, he would take them to court that he couldn't get these, the machines. That is amazing that 
a sitting attorney general is going to take someone to court to fight an accurate count of an election. And you were talking about authority. We had a big conversation a couple weeks ago about the people's authority. And really, uh, Governor Wolf has no authority in this particular case. This is all you, the, the assembly, or it's the people. We have 22 months to get to the bottom of a federal election. And by law, they have to save and present all the evidence. So what happens if they push against the subpoena? I know I'm going off into legal stuff, but what happens if Governor Wolf just plays what he always does? I'm King Wolf and you're not. What happens then? Well, well, they could take us to court, right? So I'm going to guess that the counties, because they always play it safe, right? They're not going to go out on a limb until, you know, if they know that this is going to court, well, they're going to sit tight and wait to see what the courts say if he challenges it in court. Um, Now, we know in other states, they have taken it and challenged it in court, and they were successful. Uh, it was successful for the audit in other states. I don't know what it will transpire in Pennsylvania. Um, I, you know, I, I can't. I'm not an attorney, so I, I can't speak to that. But certainly, listen, we were still sued by Jill Stein uh, with the, in 2016, right, because there was no auditable paper trail in Pennsylvania. And so – the governor unilaterally, without talking to the counties or seeing, hey, who did have a paper trail, who didn't, he just decertified all the equipment. So everybody had to purchase new equipment that had a paper trail that was audible. So what is so outrageous about auditing that paper trail? And if you are sure that everything was free and fair and accurate, which we know it was not accurate, we know it was not legal, then why are you so concerned about an audit? So many people uh, either forget about that or they're not aware of it, that the governor it went too far, he overreached with his power, and then he made a bunch of people, a bunch of counties, I think all of them, right? Was it all the counties had to get new equipment? Every single county. Okay, so think about the pressure. timing. Think about yes. the timing on that. <laughs> I yes, mean, so that was in, yeah, that was in 16. He decertified yep. them in 2017. And so that was, that was part of how Act 77 got passed. It, what was in Act 77, a piece of it, was the funding to counties for new equipment. Isn't new that interesting? Equipment. Donald J. Trump wins overwhelmingly in 2016. And in 2017, the machines that count the votes in our state were decertified. I just think right. that is, it's crazy. We live right. in a world of coincidences. That is just crazy. And people forget about that. So, cause I, that's why I, I get frustrated when people say, well, what about the money it's costing? Well, you didn't care about the money in 2017. You, millions you weren't and even. Millions of dollars. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I, again, I want to find out, and I'm not asking you for names or information, but my, I've been researching what people in our government have financial interest or a connection to these voting machine companies, either as a consultant or an investor or a lobbyist. I think we'd find a lot of names popping up. Yeah, most of that's at the federal level. But yes, and and let's just even go this far. The election, what is it, EAC, the election um, commission, the election, I don't know, whatever the federal commission is, okay? Their director of that used to work for Dominion. Oh, my God. The director of the Federal you know, Election Commission, um, they now work there. So it is a little incestuous in that part of it. But 
But even so, like there's ways to do checks and balances, and there seems to be such, you know, you know, pushback even on the general checks and balances of this. So yesterday I did two right-to-know requests with York County. The first was I want a list of every person who voted in the November 3rd election. I want a list of all the names, um, their addresses, and the method in which they voted and their current voting status. Because I, when I get that list, that better match the number that they certified with the Department of State as having voted. And for every single one of those, every single ballot that we have, there should be a, either a signature in that poll book, an outer envelope, or a signed attestation form. Right? That's a quick litmus test that we can do. If I right. get the list, I will certainly you know, give that to, to uh, Senator Mastriano. So you know, when he subpoenas those, those documents, match it up. Match it up. That's your first, like, let's see, you know, people think there were ballots that were put in there, you know, nefariously or that ballots were ran through the system two or three times. Well, that would tell you because you wouldn't have a you wouldn't have an envelope or a signature or an attestation form for it. You should have one for every single ballot that you have. Well, this is even more outrageous when you remember, as you just brought up, that Governor Wolf replaced all the machines he decertified the 27 teams, and they all had to be replaced. So when you think about that on top of the attorney general and the Democrats and the governor pushing back now, it is kind of weird. Can you stick around for one more quick segment? We have to take a hard break. Sure. All right, we'll be right back. Slash rules. The Ken Matthews Show, where all of your conspiracies can come true. On News Radio WHP 580. My guest is Pennsylvania State Representative Don Kiefer, and so we need to stay engaged, right? We, the people, need to stay engaged. We need to continue to call, and I know how important emailing is because what I see happening is Republicans saying something, whether it's in public or on the news, and then they just kind of fade away, and when you need them to back you up, some of them aren't there. Is that what's happening? I would say, I would say some have lost interest or don't think it's a pressing issue. I'm not sure how they, you know, come to that, that consensus. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, everybody does have different districts. I can tell you in, in my district and, and York County, as I've gone to events, I mean, this is still the number one issue I hear about between this and then from parents I'm hearing about masks, vaccine mandates, and the elections, those are the three hot issues. Uh, and jobs, right? People can't find employees right now. So uh, it is in a, a workers, um, an employee's market right now. And there is, there, those are the big issues facing the world, actually, when you think about it. And I believe this is a stolen election. And I believe that this COVID thing has been exaggerated to the point where it can be used to manipulate people and impact them economically and politically. So would it be a good, is it a wise move for me as a constituent to email my representative or my state senator and say, Senator so-and-so, what is your position on the election of 2020 and will you back a uh, forensic audit and then hopefully you get something in writing because these politicians say one thing and do another. Maybe writing helps. Does that help? I think writing does help. I mean, we all go through the e- emails. It's it's much easier to go through emails than it is calls, and you do have a log in it. I know I always say there's value in having that one-on-one discussion, but certainly emails as well with anything. I mean, you should 
we work for you, right? We are public servants to our constituents. And so we should be answering to you. And so, I mean, we get a lot of emails. It may take us a while to get back to you. It might not get that, you know, expedient response, especially whenever there's a really hot issue. You get a lot of emails coming in. But, you know, we, we should be answering your questions. And I think that's a, a good way to do it with you. when you get something in writing, you know, that that holds a lot of water there versus I think they said this or did they say that? And you're going back to recording. No, I have it in writing. You said you would do this. Did you change your mind or did circumstances change? I think you have a right to know you are, you, you put them in office. They work for you. They're supposed to be re- representing you. There's a great movie out. Uh, uh, what's, I forget the name of it, Art. Is it noncompliance? I forget what it's called. We had, we played part of it on the air and I think it's perfect for not only legislators to watch, but, but, uh, constituents to see and the fact how much power we have and we have to connect with people like yourself that understand you were elected to respond to our authority and our needs and desires as opposed to some of the other people up there can you give us an update on any other topics that are that are on the horizon i know constitutional carry is is that still flying around what's going on with that in the state of pa we were promised a vote on constitutional carry, so I'm hoping when we get back this fall that there will be a vote um, on that. That is something that uh, you know we were set, we were told, hey, we are going to put up a vote for that. I was hoping we would do it before we left uh, left Harrisburg after the bu- or before the budget, but we didn't do that. So I, I'm hopeful that we get it back um, this fall. And again, that's another issue you can you know see where your member stands on, so that we get that issue there. Today we had a hearing on. Um, protecting women's sports legislation that Representative Lyme has. And that is a bill that would just say, hey, you have to play in, in high school. You're going to play on a team based upon your biological sex. So if you're a biological girl, you would play on, on the girls' team, biological boys on biological boys' team, so that we can keep everything fair and equitable and everybody has an equal opportunity in our athletics. Did you ever think in your lifetime, as an American citizen and now a legislator, did you ever think that that would even have to be an issue, that that would no. even be that that you'd have to say, look, you're a boy, you're a girl. This is the girls team. This is the boys team. And if you if you followed the science, you would be attacked. Did you? <laughs> right. Never, never thought. Not only did I didn't think that for that, because I I came through sports in the 80s. Right. And it was hot on the heels of 72 and Title nine. And women had fought so hard to have the same opportunities in men as men, right? And now, like, would, when we were play field hockey on a field and the football team would need that field for something, like, we got booted over to a, you know, scrappy little side field. Those things, you know, we've come miles since then. And now we're going to push it backwards and say, hey, I know today you're going to, you know, you're going to compete against Johnny. Because Johnny, well, he, Johnny thinks he's Susie and he gets to do that. No. <laughs> Johnny has an unfair advantage over me. Johnny has an unfair advantage over my daughter. And so now things that we can't change, right? I can't change the fact that I am a female, right? I don't have as big of a heart or lungs or fast twitch fibers. You know, I didn't go through puberty as a male to have those advantages that males do. And now you're going to tell my daughter, why can't you compete? Why can't you come in first? Oh, how about this? Why can't you make the team? Because think about you go to a big school district like Cumberland Valley, it's tough just to make the team. And now girls have to compete against boys. And nobody cares about our young women, you know, about the the biological women. You know, they're just hateful. They're just not being tolerant and accepting. 
No. If, 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 if gender does not matter, then why do we have sex-segregated sports in the first place? What a great point. I, I laughed right? only because Johnny Thinks He's Susie is a great bumper sticker. So right. we always get yeah. great ideas when we have a conversation. So, well, you continue enjoy, you to enjoy your break. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I hear you. No, I was just going to say, enjoy your break, and I'm glad you're still in the fight, even though you're not in session. And thank you for your time, and we want to have you come on again, obviously. We're plugging away. Thank you, Ken. Well, thank you. Take care. State Rep Dawn Kiefer, we'll have her back on, and we'll be right back. 